This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. This is our last, our last Sunday for this series called At the Core, and uh, I'm excited about this. This is a Again, one of those personal messages that really hits home for me just because of my own journey. And I can honestly say this was a uh, kind of a revelation of God that I'd never had for the first 25 years of my life. And then I started to get a hold of it, um, you know, a number of years back, and it has blessed my heart. So two weeks ago, we talked about uh, this concept of character before charisma or character before gifting, uh, kind of a culture uh, cultural issue for us here at Impact Church that we believe in character before gifting. Last week, Sandra talked about family before function. How many know that God has not called us to sacrifice our family on the altar of ministry? I want you to know if you're doubting that, He did not ask you to sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. It is not true. It's all lies and rumors, but it is not true. And today I'm going to talk about another core concept or a cultural concept about impact. It's called relationship before release. We are actually going away, so you guys can be praying for us. We're gone the next two days at a pastor's uh, conference in Mississauga. And um, I don't know if you guys probably ever thought through this. We think through this because we do go away. Every year we usually go away for some sort of pastor's conference. And sometimes it's just a couple days. Sometimes it's a week-long conference. And if I go by myself, it's usually by the end of the first day where I'm calling home going, honey, I miss you. (laughs) I'm lonely. (laughs) And they know, the staff knows how pathetic I am when I go away by myself. They're like, check in, are you managing? Are you okay? I don't know if I'm going to make it, guys. Pray. Either the rapture comes or the conference is just brought from five days into five minutes. And then I can go home. No, I'm kidding. But, well, not really. Anyhow, (laughs) not really. But what I want to talk to you guys about today and start with is a very simple thought. How many have kids here? All right. Um, How many, when you are going away for two, three, four, five days, and you've got to get somebody to take care of your children for three or four days, how many are just calling up the rent-a-babysitter from downtown Kingston to come and be with your family Or are you incredibly considerate and prayerful and thought through as far as who you're going to have come to your house and watch your children? And I hope the answer is the second. I can say for Sandra and I, the people that have been at our house, that have watched our kids, outside even my mom, who's blessing us this week, but all the students, we've had a number of Queen students that have been at our house and stayed overnight, including Em, including Sarah, who led worship this morning, um, But I'll tell you one thing that we do and we take very seriously is we're just not going to entrust our children to anyone. How much more am I responsible for the welfare of our spiritual kids? So, because of that, I think through very carefully this concept of relationship 
before release into certain avenues of ministry or if I can say it, leadership in our church. Why? Because we want to know you. And I hope that you want to know us. All my jokes and quirks. All of them. Why is this important? Because God comes to us as spiritual leaders, as moms and dads, as spiritual parents of this house, and says, be very careful who you allow your spiritual children to be tracking with. Make sure that you're just not going down the street to the rent-a-leader or the rent-a-babysitter in order to take care of your kids. Is that okay this morning? We take that very seriously. Why? Because we know that one thing that happens in the church world is that when people come to a church, one of the first things that people process through over the journey is, can I trust these people? We do not take that lightly. I really want you to trust us. But it's one thing to trust us. It's another thing to trust the decisions. Right? It's another thing to trust who is delegated to take care of you or to follow up with you or to pray for you or to lead a small group with you or whatever that looks like. Does that make sense? So, I want to read a verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13, and it says this. It says, but we beg you, brothers and sisters, I know that's not in there, but to know those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to respect and honor them in love for their work's sake. Be at peace amongst yourselves. This word know is a very interesting word, and, and sometimes in Bible translation, the Greek and the Hebrew have multiple words for the same English word that we would use. So, for example, if I say, I love my wife, I love a Wendy's number one, supersize it, please, Jesus. I love the maple leaves, which we all know I do. I love my children. I love hanging out with people. I love playing sports. How many know I'm actually using the same word for all of them? But in my mind, I have different values of love. So in the Greek and the Hebrew, they actually use multiple different words that we just translate love, or in this case, translate no. But it's multiple different words, and so we have to go right back to the original language to find out, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean that I know about somebody? Does that mean that um, I have some sort of abstract knowledge of someone or something? Or does it mean something beyond that? And interestingly enough, in this particular passage of Scripture, This word know means to perceive with all of the senses. To recognize the heart. Hmm, okay. Well, that switches things up a little bit. How many know that you know certain people, and then when something goes on, you know them differently after that? And what happens is, is sometimes you don't know people until you know people. You know what I'm saying? So we have to take this into consideration as we're thinking through kind of this principle of relationship before release. Again, this word know is not to know about. It's not just some abstract knowledge. It actually means knowledge of someone's heart from an internal perspective. That's what it means. It's about knowing someone in the spirit, as the New Testament talks about, rather than knowing someone just in the natural, okay? 
How many have ever seen any of those crazy, you know, celebrity followers that think they know their favorite celebrity? The reality is, is they don't, but they think they do because they have certain information about that person. And because the information has come, they feel a connection to that person. But I have news for you today. Information does not lead to intimacy. <laughs> it doesn't. Walking with someone over a significant period of time creates that. The problem is, is our culture fights, fights against that. Social media fights against that. Some of the concepts behind our culture today fights against that. And what we have in our culture today is 500 acquaintances and very few, if any, deep friendships. And what God wants us to do is, first and foremost, see this whole concept of relationship before release, not just as a protection for the church, but as a principle that God wants to implant in your heart so that you are tracking in relationship with people. How many know that we're better together? Amen? We're better together. I'm better because I'm with you. You guys make me better, and so I appreciate that. 2 Corinthians 5.16 in the New Living Translation version, it says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Three and a half years of walking side by side, Jesus will do that for you. Right? Knowing somebody uh, personally and intimately and in a deep friendship will absolutely adjust and change the dynamics of your relationship with that person. But again, that verse in 1 Thessalonians draws up this, this concept that is so key. It's this, to know those, we just talked about the word know, who labor among us. Say among. So it's not just about knowing. It's about those who are among us. Hmm. I'm going to share with you an observation of the last 10 years. Here's what's happened. People have 100 things they're committed to. Maybe 150, maybe 200. But we're not among any of them. We're around it, and we kind of dip into a lot of different things, but we're not really connected, built into very many if any. So this word among is in the Greek word places a certain emphasis on certain things. Um, it's the word en, E-N. It literally means E-N, um, or the, the actual word is E-N. But in, for us in English, it's literally the word that we would understand it as being in. So en, in. And it means, listen to this, a fixed position in time and place. It means to be instrumental in implementation and construction. So I'm going to read those two phrases again. It means to be in a fixed position in time and place. And it means to be instrumental in implementation and construction. So if we look at the context of this verse, to be in or to be among means we are building up those around us because we are fixed in commitment to that relationship. what it means. It's what it's talking about. I don't know if you've ever seen this picture. I, I had this, someone did this years ago, and I remember seeing this illustration and thinking, okay, that's, 
kind of a cute way to do that, but man, did it ever hit a home uh, point. Uh, it hit home a big point for my life. And they had up on stage this beautiful tree, like a little mini tree that was planted. It was in a big pot. It's probably about 10 feet high. And they had these guys come up on stage with all these tools, and they ended up ripping this little mini tree out of the pot violently. And I was like, the poor tree, oh Lord, smite them, Jesus. You know, those are the thoughts that were going through my mind at that particular moment. I'm like, the poor tree. And then another guy brought out this other pot that was bigger. And they took out the tree and they put it in the other pot and they piled stuff on top. And then about five minutes later in his message, the same crew that dealt with the first tree came out again and uprooted the other tree, moved it, and then put it into this tiny little pot, like, you know, one that you would take to the beach and put little sand in for the kids. They tried to jam it into this tiny little pot. And I'm like, what are they doing? And guess what happened? Kept falling over. So they're like, okay, let's stand beside it and have someone hold it up. Okay. They're like, no, we don't like that. So about five minutes later into the message, now the crew comes back out again, and they uproot it, but they decided, you know what, this is too complicated, let's just cut it. We're going to cut it down into a size of a tree that's a little bit more easy to deal with. So they cut it about halfway up the tree, and then they put it into another small little pot. Problem is, is it didn't stand up either. So now they needed three people to stand all the way around it to make sure that as it was leaning, it was leaning into them. Gets to the end of this illustration, and he basically said, how in the world can you think that going from relationship to relationship to place to place to place to relationship to relationship is actually going to make you stable? And then he talked about this concept of being planted. And I know some people have taught that about being planted in the house of the Lord. And Psalm 92 talks about that. And I agree with that principle, absolutely. But I want to go one step further here this morning. I want to talk about relationship plants. There's a joke going around the internet right now. Is there any conservative that is a friend with a liberal on social media? Like they actually are friends on social media? And how many liberals are actually friends with conservatives? And in the U.S., it's, is there any Republican that actually has a Democrat friend? And is there any Democrats that actually have a Republican friend? And we have this thing in our culture that says right now, if we don't 100% agree in every area, you're not my friend. The problem with that thought is, have you ever thought that maybe God's bringing some of those people into your life to cause you to rethink some things that you've always thought because it's not scriptural? And that God actually wants to, as iron sharpens iron, start to sandpaper off the edges of your life? The problem is, is if we don't have deep relationship, you won't trust the person who's saying it. So we have to be fixed in a certain place for a long period of time so that we can trust those that are speaking in. And again, I want you, I know you probably, some of you hearing it's like, well, you're just talking about the church. No, I'm talking about relationship in general. Does it affect the church? Of course it does. But I'm talking about having your roots down deep relationally. Okay? All right. So look for people that God has placed in your life. How many have ever, how many are into gardening? How many are enjoy sitting on your deck while watching someone else garden? Come on now. 
Can I get a new? Come on, I got a witness in here. Come on now, Jesus. I felt it. Ooh. How many like eating from the garden but never ever doing anything about it? Come on. <laughs> Come on. You have only one place. You are fixed in position at the head of the table with your fork and knife ready. Come on, Jesus. But you're not interested in gardening. Okay, I, I want to just share a little thought here. Every plant has what a gardener or a horticulturist would understand as prescribed soil. But the plant doesn't get to determine what it is. Because there's not one single plant in the world that would love to be in the sun all day long, but there's certain plants that need the sun all day long or they'll die. Right? Some of them would want something else, something a little bit easier, something a little bit more palatable. And so what you have to understand is that the design of God is to put connect-the-dot people in your life to fulfill the picture of God and the purpose of God for your life. And sometimes he does them in different seasons. Sometimes you'll have a certain person in your life years ago that aren't carrying on to the next season in your life. That's okay. But God used them in that season. How many remember the Connect the Dot books? Come on now. I, I love them. I couldn't draw within the lines, but it didn't matter. I had a lot of them, and I love them. But God has Connect the Dot people for your life. Fixed in position. People you can trust. People that can speak into your life. And you know that they can as quickly adjust you or correct you because they're going to be in the very next moment cheerleading you on. Relationship before release. The first time that I had a problem or understood this principle, even though I never understood it the way I'm explaining it to you today, the first time I ever had a problem with this was a number of years ago. I was a teenager really young teen, I was probably 12 or 13, like Caleb and Hannah's age, Zoe's age. And I remember this very significant, well-known worship leader that was very well-known within the church circles that we were a part of. And this individual showed up one Sunday at church, and you could hear all the people talking in the pews. Oh, wow, so-and-so's here. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if, wow, if she... If she became the worship pastor, and she, wow, and this, and blah, 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 blah. And I heard it. I mean, I heard it. I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. But I've heard of them. Next Sunday, she was leading worship. Literally. Sunday after that, she led worship. And on the third Sunday, it came out that she was having multiple affairs with multiple people. And it breaks my heart. And I pray that that family is somehow surviving today. And, and thriving in the things of God. But you know what hit me? No one ever got to know them. They just looked at the talent and went, what? That's awesome. Get the talent up there. And my response is, let's find out the heart. Let's have relationship. Let's find out what they're all about. And for those, because I knew some people that knew some people, for those that knew this person, they knew that there was a track record of not only instability, but there was a track record of very poor choices in this person's life. And my thought was, why didn't anyone ask that question? And here's what I've realized. They don't think relationally. They think organizationally, but they don't think organically. 
And from our church's perspective, we think organic. We think relationship. Is that okay? I'm going to do this just for fun, and she can get me back later. But Pastor Ray is so much like the big sis I never had. She's literally like the big sis. You know one of the most incredible times in the office is not when we're praying and being all godly. Although those are moments that are important, is when we get to make fun of all of the problems in the other person all at the same time. It's like it's so much fun that we get to pick on each other's words and each other's little things, and it's like this is awesome. Every single day that I go to that office and I see Pastor Ray, I just something inside of me leaps out of my heart because there's somebody that is like-minded, loves Jesus, loves Sandra and I and our family, but who we love as well. And there's this concept of relationship that happens. And I love it. I love the fact that Jeff and Rachel Evans have put up with all of my bad dad jokes for 11 plus years. And they're still here. <laughs> Woo! That's mind-blowing. And I'm just so grateful for Ryan's beard. Like... Guys, I'm telling you right now that if Ryan's beard was not in this church, we would be seriously lacking in a relational context. Every time I see him, I'm like, are you hiding your snacks in there? They've got to be in there somewhere. But you know what I love about Ryan and Lindsay? And I could go right around the room and keep going. I love their heart for God. And it takes you all of about five seconds to figure that out. But I love the journey. I love the relational journey. I love tracking with people. I love people tracking with me. This is what the church was meant to be. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. I want to give you proof of this principle, okay? Proof. Goes up one verse to verse 11. Therefore, exhort one another. Another word for that in the kind of modern English would be encouraged. Therefore, encourage one another. And build each other up, even as you also are doing. Can I, can I just throw out this thought? There is no way that you can actively, intentionally, strategically build into relationship if you are on the periphery, on the outside. Just dabbing things in a little bit here and there. Don't want to get to know anyone. Don't want to touch base with anyone. Because you know what? What happens is, is there's no depth of relationship. So it changes the, the thought pattern even from my perspective. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be sure you know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. This is on us. This is what we got to do. So it goes both ways. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. I want to read this to you. How do we know this process of relationship to release? In other words, what is the moment where release becomes possible? And here it is. Are you ready? But test and prove all things. Test. And prove all things. Test and prove all things. Why? Until you can recognize. What are you trying to recognize? Oh, it goes on and tells you. What is? Oh. Well, how do we know that? Time. <laughs> I just lost everyone. I don't like time. Time takes forever. 
like, I wish that my stopwatch went five seconds for every second. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did some days. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Abstain from evil, shrink from it, keep aloof from it in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. Why is this important? I'm going to drop another bomb, and I'm going to tell you this from a shepherd's perspective, a pastor's heart. Here is why this is incredibly important. Matthew 7, 15 and 16, beware of false prophets who come in disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Do they exist today? Yes. There are things that you will never know about over the last 11 plus years because it never got here. Because somebody here dealt with it. And we take this very seriously. Why? Because we want to protect the relationships in the house. Amen? How do we know them? I love this verse. Verse 16. You can identify them by their talent. Which eliminates me from a lot of things right there. Okay. All right. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. All right. We good? So we're living in difficult days. I don't know about you, but if you just... Look around you right now. We're living in days where there's a lot of people proclaiming something verbally, but in actuality living very different. So scripturally, it's called hypocrisy. But what we want to make sure is that the people who are walking the walk and talking the talk are caring for you. Okay? 2 Peter Peter 2 verse 1, it says this, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies. It actually goes on in this uh, chapter 1, and there's like seven different references to what they do. So I'm just going to read them real quick, and then I'm going to come in for a close. Verse 12, it says, they scoff at things they do not understand. How many have ever disagreed with you but have no point of disagreement? They don't know why they don't believe in God, but they got nothing to come back with, but they just don't believe in God, so they made up their mind they're not going to believe in God. All right, I have met those people. 13, verse 13, they delight in deception. They love to manipulate and deceive. Verse 14, their desire for sin is never satisfied. Verse 14 again, they lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. Hmm. Verse 15, they've wandered off the right road. Hmm, Not good. Verse 18, they brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. I don't want you to think of any leader in the world today that could be doing that. <laughs> don't want you to get any ideas. There's no idea. No, 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 don't. Resist the urge. I have never seen that one before. That one was for you. All right, okay. Verse 18. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped a lifestyle of deception. There's this question that Cain asked God after he murders Abel. First two kids in the Bible. And his response to God is, am I my brother's keeper? In other words, am I responsible for his life? Yep. People that will care for sheep are more interested in making decisions in living a life that is without controversy 
They are more interested in living in what 2 Corinthians 10 talks about as being more beneficial for others rather than what is permissible for them. It is the proof of maturity. It is not about me. Well, can I do this? Yeah, you can. Scripturally, it says you can. Do you want influence? You know what I've realized in my life? The closer I get to God, the less I want to do other things. The less the issue of what I don't get to do bothers me. Just a thought. Verse 19, here's the last thought. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin. Oh, I've seen that far too often. Do you know something that there was a statistic that came out through the Barna Research Group about three years ago? I think it was, pretty sure it was 2016. It could have been 2017. And they basically talked about um, this story. There was over 15,000 respondents to um, to this survey And the number one cause of sin in any individual's life, and it was over 75%, is the influence of a friend or family member. That doesn't mean that sin was not already rooted in your heart. I want to say that. It was already in your heart, but the enemy used someone close to you to draw you in. So relationships can be a massive blessing, and they can hurt. So we have to find the balance in that, I want to end with a very simple thought, and then I'm going to pray that we're going to go home, we're going to eat lots of food, remind ourselves that we're a little disappointed that Thanksgiving only lasted one weekend, so we're going to carry it the entire month of October just to bless ourselves. You know what I'm saying? How many are still having ch- uh, turkey sandwiches <laughs> two weeks later? Come on. Okay, there's three of us. All right, all right. But there's three different types of people that are in ministry or in leadership today in the church world across, I'm going to say, North America. The first one is what I'm going to call self-appointed people. They take on the authority and responsibility of a spiritual gift, office, or ministry in which they were not called. Okay? Second group are what we call man-appointed or human-appointed. This person claims to receive a call from God, but the call comes by the authority of humans who are not speaking under God's influence. Remember, God initiates, man responds. God's the initiator, we're the responder. The third type is what we call God-appointed. This person is God's choice for a God-given task. How many know that God often will, will promote, not based upon what the natural would say, but based upon what their character says? Right? Saul stood head and tails above everyone else. He was a warrior. Well, he was the, made the most sense to be the king. But David was a man after God's heart. Hmm. God's heart was always David. So, self-appointed people are people that are about power. Man-appointed people are people that are about prestige. God-appointed people are about people. Going to go one step further. Self-appointed people are about success. Man-appointed people are about stature, reputation. God-appointed people are about sheep. God-appointed leaders, I want you to hear me now. God-appointed leaders will die for their sheep. Man-appointed leaders, self-appointed leaders, love to live off the sheep. 
And it is so foreign to the heart of God. So do you know what we have to do? <laughs> we have to pray and go, Lord, what do we do? Lord, we've got to do this and we've got to do that. We have all these ministries we've got to do, Lord, but we've got to make sure that everyone's cared for and loved on and that there are people that are going to be fixed and solid and building up other people's lives. Who are they, Lord? That's the process we have to go all, through, all the time. Like we've often, Pastor Mike Cervello described it to me like this. You are the puzzle person for the church. You have got to figure it out where all the puzzle pieces go so that the picture forms. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's great. But don't I get a picture that I can track with? You know how you get the box and the picture's on the box and you can track with it? He goes, no, you've got to trust God. There's no picture. No picture. Just principles. Oh, great. Serious? Okay. So you have to understand that we are always going to be about relationship and knowing people. That doesn't mean we're going to know everyone well. How many know that in a great puzzle piece, you're only connected to three or four others? You don't know the person on the other side of the puzzle, but you can celebrate with them because you're part of your church family. You're probably only going to have three or four people in this church that you're close to. That's okay. Some of you may have five. Some of you may have one. That's okay. But it's in that relationship where family ownership starts happening. And family responsibility starts happening. Do I have to take out the garbage? Yes. Do I got to clean my room, Dad? Yes. I'm not talking about personal experience whatsoever. But when you're in relationship, scripturally, it's about building others up. There's an interesting little story in 1 Samuel 10, and I'm, I'm going to pray. And it's the inauguration of King Saul into the, uh, the throne of Israel. And it says in this passage that Samuel, the prophet, took oil from a human vial, placed that oil upon King Saul to inaugurate him into kingship. You know what the problem with that whole picture was? Is that God never asked for a king to be inaugurated from a man-made object. The way that God designed it was that you would take the horn of an animal and have the oil come out of there to anoint. Oftentimes in our lives and in our journeys, we have this real urge to speed up the process of God. Can I tell you, say to you this morning, I have tried that. It never works. I have created so many Ishmaels in my life before the age of 25, it is not good. And if you ever want to hear the most embarrassing story, actually, I'll tell it real quick because it's so funny. I showed up at this church because my spiritual daddy was attending this church. I was personally not a fan of the church. But I showed up at this church, and about two months in, there was an announcement from the pulpit, we want to hire a youth pastor. I'd only been there two months. No one in the entire church knew who I was except my spiritual daddy named Bob. Nobody else knew. 
Because I didn't really like the church, I didn't want to know anything about the church. I didn't want to know people. But as soon as he said, youth pastor, you know what went through my mind? Oh, you know, light is on me. I am the most anointed option here. So I wrote a 10-page, double-sided letter to the pastor, highlighting my awesomeness. You know the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome? No, I wrote the original song. That's Sam. That was 20-something years ago, 22 years ago. And this pastor calls me up. I don't know why he did this. I'm like, I would have just ignored it, personally. That, that, I'm giving away all my ungodliness. I would have ignored it. Anyhow, he calls me up. He says, can I meet with you after church on Wednesday night? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Should I have someone carry me in? <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm ready. Woo, come on. Where's my armor bears? <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Lord, it slipped. I know it happens sometimes. Um, so he calls me into his office, sits me down, and he goes, hey, I got your letter. <laughs> and what next, uh, the next thing he said, I, I don't know if I heard it exactly because I was in shock. And he looked at me and he went, um, who do you think you are? And I went, didn't 10 pages tell you enough about who I am? <laughs> I thought the 10 pages just told, me, told you exactly who I was. And he goes, I don't even know you. You don't know this house. You don't know anything about this church. All you want is a position, but you don't want anything to do with these people. And it was like God went, Cameron, I've been trying to tell you that for the last three days before you wrote the letter. But Lord, I know what I'm doing. And it was the first moment in my life where I was crushed when it comes to ministry. And you know what happened? For the next number of months, I'm like, I, I was real mature. I'd go to God and go, God, I don't even want ministry no more. I don't believe in it, Lord. I'm going to do my own thing. And that didn't last very long before God knocked on the door of my heart again and went, oh, really? It says, try to pursue anything else but me, and we'll see how you do. So I did. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing anyway, then, God. Can I explain to you today... Um, Dark places come into your life. Very dark places come to your life when you run from God. He had a GPS on me, and he knew exactly where I was, including at an emergency room at Oshawa General Hospital, sitting beside an 85-year-old man that never knew me from a hole in the ground, looked at me and went, God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Stop running from God. Like, I am in the hospital getting cared for because you didn't. You didn't care for me. I brought the man, didn't I? Okay, Lord. So here's what I want to challenge you with. 
if your purpose is ministry, you're going to miss the heart of God. If your purpose is people, you'll find it. Ministry is all about people. It's all about relationship. It's all about connecting with one another and traveling with one another and tracking with one another and speaking into each other's lives and caring for them when they're struggling or sick or not doing well. So it blessed my heart. I just found out yesterday, it blessed my heart that there's a single mom in this congregation that's doing a big move next weekend and there's a whole crew of guys going to help. That made my day. And if there's any other guys in this place that want to jump in and join the fun to make that whole day even easier, go talk to Jeff after service. Jeff, you want to stand away? Why? Because that's what the church is all about. It is at the very core, it's about relationship. You say, well, I don't like someone. Okay, we'll deal with it. Well, someone did something to me. That's okay. Get in the same room and figure it out. And don't leave that room until you got it figured out. Why? Because we're stuck with one another. Ryan, you are stuck with me. I'm going to pray. Let's stand together if we can. My apologies, we've gone about 10 minutes over, but you guys love me. I'm going to leave you with one thought, and then I'm going to pray. This is a thought that I think through all the time. That's not to say that I'm perfect with it, because I don't think I am. But I come to church every single Sunday with one phrase glued in my mind. God, I want to make one meaningful connection with somebody today. Not just a high bye, not just a I'll pray for you, but one meaningful connection with somebody today that's going to take my relationship with that person to another level. That's all I think. I don't have any other grand thoughts. I literally come in every Sunday with, God, lead me to one person that I can connect with today. Encourage them, inspire them, and remind them that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And that no matter what's going on right now, God, you still believe in them. That's all I think. Those are family thoughts. What I want to encourage you guys with is don't just say, hey, this is my family. Be the family of God. Hear a need, meet it. Someone's struggling, pray for them. Just came out from a hospital, just lost a loved one, take a meal to their house. Do whatever you've got to do to build relationship. Because it's those people that the Bible describes as builders. Because they build into the people of God. And I'm going to give away all my secrets. The people that we promote into those core areas of ministry in this church are builders. They are builders of people and they're builders of the kingdom of God. That's our heart. It's been that way since day one. It's never changed. Because we believe when people are being built into, they're going to experience the presence of God and the kingdom of God in ways that are beyond description. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 